on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, August 30th. Just, uh, what, two more days until August is over, and then we transition into a very busy September for the LA Galaxy. We're going to talk about the LA Galaxy's 3-3 draw with LAFC. That was exciting. It was fun. It was chaotic. It was everything you have come to expect from El Trafico's Galaxy get a point. We'll talk about whether that was good, that was bad, what, however that is, who the best player was, all sorts of fun stuff there. We have LA Galaxy news, including who's going to be gone on the international break. At least six, maybe seven. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Some stats, some standings, some schedules, uh, a whole bunch of fun, a whole bunch of things to get to to help me do all that. He's back, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, brief, I'm briefly back. Hey, how come the introduction, Michael Araujo says, that this show gets you in the minds of MLS insiders and national soccer reporters, and it's only you and me every week? I, well, okay, so if you want to know how it actually, like, back in the day, they, we used to do this show in a different format. Right. And the fun, and it wasn't you. That was the whole thing. We used to do a format where we would have guests. So it's better now. Yeah. It, mean. I mean, yeah. you know, the idea is it's still sort of the same. I mean, we do brand ourselves MLS experts, which <laughs> I mean, that's cute. Yes, that's, uh, yeah, that's really wide latitude there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's there's that part of things uh, that certainly come into play. But for the most part, uh, you know, it's still technically kind of kind of close there. So, uh, by the way, Ooh, which one of, of us is the MLS insider? Uh, I I guess, I mean, it would have to be you, unfortunately. You have more MLS contacts than I do. I would be more, you know, Galaxy Insider guy because I think I have probably a little more contacts than you. You just, you know, you just use some brute force. You have brute way force. more contacts with me than the, in, with LAFC, but I mean, with uh, the Galaxy, you have way more contacts. But I, yeah, I probably do have more in the league. Yeah, you. you By do. the way, the bear looks a little beefy back there. He's, you know what? He's been. It's he's putting on his COVID nineteen. All right, so he hasn't been working out as much as he uh, he normally has. By the way, get to the super chats real quick. Uh, Aaron gave us a five dollars super chat. Says I'm late in commending Josh from a week or two ago when idiots on Facebook were giving him crap. Thank you, Josh, Kevin, at all for doing this pod. Yeah, I I left all the LA Galaxy Facebook groups. I was done with all that toxic crap. I don't need that. Certainly not like during a busy month like August. I don't need. I don't need like stupid people making stupid comments. So I was like, okay, see you guys later. You figure out wherever you want to get your news. I mean, I answered questions every single 
single day from that Facebook group all the time. So, you know, go get your information from somebody else. I'm sure everybody else is as, is as reliable. Uh, Anthony gave us a $10 super chat, says, uh, when is the next T-shirt release, Josh? Uh, for another $10, uh, I still won't tell you. But, but thank you for that, Anthony. I'll figure something out. I got to... I just, you have to be inspired, Kevin, in order to do these t-shirts sometimes. And sometimes I'm just, I'm just not inspired. Like maybe I, I want to do a Ted Lasso Christmas one. That's kind no, of where I'm at right now. Panda, a panda shirt. No, we've panda done, shirt. we've done that. And those were, those were ugly. So ugly. So, so ugly. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about a busy weekend. You were at the game. Um, I chose, I was, to, you were not. I chose to, well, see, and I know people know this, but I'll say it again. Uh, when I go to games at Bank of California stadium, I generally, Kevin, get the worst seat in the press box, which, you know, you have a name like corner of the galaxy. I don't exactly expect them to roll out the red carpet for me, but, uh, having done this for 13 seasons, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be in the last row where you can't see anything in a corner. So I decided that it was much easier for me to watch a game from home where I can watch it on television. Um, I will have my thoughts on Fox's broadcast of the, of the El Trafico, uh, here a little bit later, but at least I thought I made the correct decision at the time. So that well, was, and you were, you were apparently one of a million plus who decided to watch the game on TV. Yeah, exactly. Uh, initial reports, uh, at least, uh, the initial numbers that came out 1.47 million people watched on Fox, the LA galaxy, uh, to go at uh, Los Angeles FC. That's a 0.3 share of 80, 18 to 49 in the demo. It's very rarely that uh, that MLS games get into the to the point system, um, but a point three share um, there. And that means that, you know, roughly one point four seven million people were watching on that Fox broadcast that, by the way, those are huge numbers just in, in terms of putting it all into perspective. Very big numbers. Um, and that's without Chicharito. That's without Carlos Vela. Yeah. See, that's what I was going to say. I think it's the biggest national broadcast of the year. It was on Big Fox. I think it's a, the highest audience of the year. But uh, this is just going to inspire um, MLS to continue to do this really stupid things that they do, like suspend players for not participating in the All-Star game. I think I think MLS was very concerned, uh, as they should have been, going into the, uh, you know, to the inner city derby, the, to the El Trafico without Chicharito, without Vela on national TV. They missed the All-Star game rather than MLS saying, oh, we don't want to, you know, have two losses in the same week. They doubled down and say, yeah, you guys are out of the All out of the uh, regular season game, too. And MLS gets great rank uh, ratings, so now they're just going to do it again. Yeah, I know. They're, this does, though, bode well for um, you know more the, the TV contracts, right? You want to see games like this. And yes, if you put it on a big over-the-air um, station, you're going to get viewership, which maybe goes against their whole idea of doing everything streaming. I'm not against that. I still think you do it. I think that's the way it's going. But we've seen both with women's soccer and now with, you know, men's soccer, and particularly now with Major League Soccer, right? If you put it over the air, Kevin, you get ratings. I mean, that's 1.47 million. You can sell advertising. That's that's well, well, that's a draw. Here's something just to mention that the other side who went just went through a TV contract, you know, LAFC went from YouTube, which I thought was a terrible deal all along. They went from YouTube to now they they're uh, on that Bally's network, but also some games on KCOP over the air TV. One of the ways they justified that is they said, look, we're not getting any fans. People are not finding our games. Well, they're not going to find them on streaming and they're probably not going to find them when you're at the bottom of the cable listings. But if you're on over the air, like the Galaxy and LAFC were this weekend on Channel 13, people will be channel surfing. They'll hit a, they'll hit the game. As you said, I think the other highly rated things were America's Funniest Home Videos and some other goofy SWAT. show. SWAT yeah. was the other. If, if you're flipping through the stations, you're channel surfing, and you hit that as opposed to America's Funniest Home Videos or SWAT, 
you're probably going to stay, even if you're not a soccer fan. And that's kind of the point. That's I think soccer needs to think about that. It's not the most popular team sport in the U.S., but it's a good product. And if you have people find it when they're channel surfing, I think that's preferable. You put it on streaming, you put it at the bottom of the cable listings, you're not going to find those people. It's That's going to be appointment television. People are going to find those games because they know about them. We need the people that don't know about them and that stumble across soccer. Yeah, and you, and you want to hopefully endear them. And by the way, uh, El Trafico always produces, always produces. I mean, this is got to be the most expensive property Major League Soccer has is this, are these El Trafico games. Um, which is one of the reasons that during the pandemic they made him play like 33 times against each other, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 34. Yeah. But by the way, Scott French <laughs> uh-huh. wrote two uh, really fantastic stories for Soccer America off this game, one about Araujo and one about the game. Um, and he, he came over to me right on deadline. I didn't have time for him. I kind of brushed him off. But uh, what he what he asked me stuck with me. Um, he said, is this the, the second best El Trafico ever? There's been 12. He said, is this right. the second best after the Zlatan game? And I'm like, Scott, I'm on deadline. Get away. But then I started thinking about, you know what? It, Can you name another one? There was this Zlatan hat trick game was pretty good. Right. But, wow, I don't know. I think this game might have been the second best after the Zlatan debut game. I don't know. I mean, it, it missed the star power for me, right? And uh, and I think that's one of the reasons I don't rate it as highly is that I want to see the stars producing. Now, that being said, obviously, the Galaxy gets some young kids involved. And that's exciting me if you're an LA Galaxy fan. But from the pure entertainment side of things, Kevin, I don't know that I could put it in that. But I also would probably have to go back and watch the highlights of all those 12 to sort of figure out and rank those again maybe that's what i should do in the off week is is rank all all the best el traficos that's a that's a good idea i'll write it down but i mean the the way it was a back and forth was like a a a prize fight you know one guy you know punch and the counter punch punch and counter punch that uh, zalatan hat trick game was a lot like that my recollection is zalatan scored and lafc scored and it went back and forth right but it was zalatan by himself this time there was some other galaxy players that got a little bit involved and and how about Bond? Eight saves. He had a great game and goal. Pretty- everybody can't think. Everybody sees his his sort of. Uh, we'll call it a mistake at least for now, and then we can discuss it. But everybody sees his mistake as sort of meaning that he had a bad game and he allowed three goals. But he had eight saves in the game as well. I mean. Jonathan Bond stood on his head for some of these saves. And I just went back and watched the highlights before we started again, just because I was like, I, I don't remember all of them. I haven't gone through all of them. I need to make sure. And I looked at it again. And, I, and that was one of the things I took away is Jonathan Bond made a two or three ridiculous saves. Um, when you look at expected goals, that type of thing. Let me, before we get off the TV thing, though, um, and yes, it was exciting. Uh, I don't know. There seems to be a lack of soccer knowledgeable like TV producers, guys who are actually directing the show um, for these big networks and for actually for, for a lot of networks, um, whenever you see it, there are certain things you don't do during broadcast, Kevin. And I know you didn't watch the broadcast. So, so you probably can't comment on this as much, but for me, the amount of times that they decided to cut away from live action and go to, you know, a close up of fans in the stands or a close up to, you know, uh, a coach on the sideline or a close up on somebody who was not involved in the play. And you can hear the announcers, John Strong, Stu Holden talking about the play as it's developing. And you can't do that in the El Trafico one because it's basically, you know, it's frenetic. It's back and forth all the time. You can't cut away from live action. But there were a couple times where you didn't see the play that was even developing because they were too busy going to the sidelines and trying to add like this this flair to the game, right? And it's like, listen, I understand in the NFL you have time in between plays to, you know, zoom in on this guy and look at the stands and get that feel and that energy. But for the most part, soccer's really simple. One is you have to know when to put replays up. 
right? And I feel like most soccer productions fail on that. I think ESPN probably does the best job. Whoever's doing stuff for ESPN knows the game. I can tell, right? You can just see how they do it. Like looking for offside calls. Um, you know, the Brian Rodriguez goal uh, that gets scored, which is an amazing goal, and I'll, I'll talk about it. I, I thought it was an amazing goal. I was like, wow, that was that was great. Um, there's an offside call before that, and it was never even discussed during the broadcast. Um, and so it's like little things like that that you're missing, and you're like, I need to see the offside is the most important thing after a goal. Go back, watch the replay, show me if there's any offside. That should be the first thing you do whenever there's a goal scored. And it's like they just, no, let's not even worry about it, you know? And then you never even know if it gets discussed or, or, or looked at. So, um, yeah, I it's it's a whole bunch of stuff that, for me, I thought the broadcast itself was lacking. Um, but, of course, they got 1.47 million people to watch. So I'm sure they're going to be saying, oh, well, there was nothing wrong with that. And I just think there's a lot of room to improve across, uh, you know, the United States in terms of broadcasting soccer. Well, I'm sure in their production meeting, they said, look, we have no Vela, we have no Chicharito. The story is the fans. The story is the city. The story is the ambience in, in the stands. Uh, and they got surprised by a great game. Yeah, it, I mean, I think maybe they were hoping that it would be a good game. And again, these games usually don't disappoint, right? And I think I should stop predicting that they're going to be like 1-1 games. They're not going to be 1-1 games. You know, they're going to be 3-3, three, 4-3. Three, three. Uh, there's going to be eight goals scored. It's going to be crazy. And by the way, that was the case across all of Major League Soccer for Rivalry Weekend. Everybody was beating everybody. There were goals galore. Um you know, except Seattle, Portland. Well, two nothing, Bo. Two nothing to a team that you didn't think well, stood a chance, one, it was right? One nothing until stoppage time. It was, but still, two nothing, right? I mean, that's a that's an interesting. That was an interesting win. Portland is definitely not going to beat Seattle, and they go up and beat Seattle. Um, you know, everybody said uh, people were talking, and we'll talk about the standings too. But they're like, well, the results can't go the Galaxy's way again. They've gone the way of the Galaxy so many times this year. And I'm like. Stop. It's not about the going the galaxy's way. It's about the fact that there are very few good teams in Major League Soccer right now. And the distance and separation between all of these teams is not that much. Anybody can beat anybody. And if we think it's going to get better where the cream is really going to rise to the top, it may. But with the condensed schedule coming up in September and then in October, I mean, there's still a ton of games to play, Kevin. And we have basically two months left in the, in, in the season. And that's it. Um, so a lot of stuff is going to come to a head very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was, uh, that was, that was a little broadcast. New England, New England, the best team in the league. No, I don't think they are. I mean, I think they're certainly running away with it. I think they're right now, uh, one of the best teams in terms of chances to win the supporter shield. I think they're very good. Um, they haven't beat Nashville. So, you know, tell me, tell me you're the best team without trying to beat Nashville. And I think Nashville is a good team. So that's one of the things Seattle to me is still the best team. I know they just lost to Portland. Um, but I feel like Seattle has uh, has has the ability. I think Seattle could take New England right now. I'm a big proponent of the West being better than the East, and I will stick with that for at least right now. Well, the, the problem with right now, this time of year, is when you're the best team, you have the best players. You know, presumably, you talked about the Galaxy losing six, perhaps seven players to international duty. Seattle, I think, is losing six. Right. Um, and and so, well, you say, okay, the Galaxy didn't play a game for two weeks. Yeah, but those guys are flying all over the place, mm -hmm. and they're playing difficult games in tough circumstances. So I think the fans look at it and say, oh, well, we haven't seen, you know, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. hasn't been here for two weeks. hasn't been training. What's he been doing? Well, he's been playing in the heat and humidity of Latin America, yep. uh, you know, Central America, in qualifiers, which, you know, I mean, you put you put your body on the lineup a little bit more in qualifiers than you do in a you know, midweek game against uh, you know, Sporting Kansas City. 
Um, so those guys are going to come back with some wear and tear on their bodies, and the best teams have the most players doing that. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know, this year is wide open, uh, you know, just just with the way, I mean, certainly with LAFC now, uh, and after this game, uh, there was a really good joke on our Discord, and I want to make sure we get it in there, but the, one of the last plays of the game was Julian Araujo making a great tackle on Diego Rossi as he tried to stream down and, and perhaps get the game-winning goal, and Araujo just physical right through him got all of the ball and Rossi tumbled over him and then went to go get the throw in as soon as the ball came in that was the end of the game well Rossi now on his way out um, and so the big joke on the discord was that Julian Araujo tackled uh, Diego Rossi so hard he had to leave the league so that was I thought that was funny <laughs> and it was always good in a little a uh, little perspective but I mean a team that was heavily favored in terms of supporter shield LAFC um, is now 11th in the Western Conference and is so far down my supporter shield standings that you won't see them through 18 spots. That's how crazy this year has been. All of the teams that people thought were going to be the absolute best teams and nobody was going to touch them have not really produced the way that everybody thought they would. And certainly I think LAFC is the biggest example of that. Um, but you can look, even teams like, you know, Philadelphia, who are, you know, looking to, to repeat as Supporter Shield winners. Um, you know, even Columbus is struggling right now. And certainly they have a bunch of injuries and things like that. So this year is very much up for grabs is what I'm trying to say across all of Major League Soccer. That's, well, what, you that's know what it feels like. You know what's weird with LAFC is that the Diego Rossi thing, I know that's been in the works for years now. He's always going to go to Europe any minute now. Now he's going to Turkey, which kind of sort of European adjacent, I guess. Um, but it, it feels like a white flag. It feels like they're surrendering. Carlos Velas already said he wants to go back to Europe. Um, Bob Bradley's kind of hanging by a thread. You would think, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Bob Bradley's message, but maybe the messenger needs to change. Sometimes that's all it needs. It's the same message, just different messenger. But one thing that's interesting, when you think about – Greg Vanny talking about how offense starts with defense and the two are interlinked. You know that uh, eight-game uh, unbeat or winless streak now for LAFC? It started when Eddie Segura, the center back, got hurt. Didn't start with a Vela injury. Didn't start with Diego Rossi's poor play. Didn't start with anything that Brian Rodriguez did. You think about all their scores started when they lost their starting center back. Hey, defense is important. This is uh, actually Marty. Uh, by the way, Patrick gave us a $5 super chat. Thanks for that, Patrick. Appreciate it. Uh, Marty asks us, and this is something we can get into on the defense, a $5 super chat as well. Uh, if if you were if you both were in Greg's shoes, how would you quote unquote fix the defense over the break? Uh, feel free to answer this later in the show so we can talk about this when, as we get along. I just want to make sure that we, uh, we say that and we get through it. Um, before we get too far out of things. All right, let's get to this game a little bit and dive into some more of the details. I know we've been talking for you know 20 minutes already. We've touched on some things, looked at some things, but haven't really dove into the details um, because I think this MLS season is just so interesting um, in, in all these things. Uh, starting the lineup, I, Kevin, it's, it's hard for me to argue that this isn't, you know, I think there's maybe two A lineups uh, and I think this might be one of the A lineups that Greg Vanny rolled out here outside of Chicharito. That's the only thing that you're really missing if you're saying you I want your absolute best players on the field. Chicharito needs to be on this starting lineup. But outside of that, you had Jovalich up top. You had Cabral on the left, Vasquez in the middle, Legette out wide. And I think Vasquez and Legette sort of rotated around each other. So, you know, let's not get uh, stuck with uh, with exact positioning there. Uh, but Vasquez in the middle, Legette on the on the right-hand side for the winger. You have Jonathan Dos Santos. You have uh, Ryan Revelison uh, in there. And then you have Hamelainen out on the left back, which is funny because we started this uh, season with Jorge Villafania, and now Hamelainen seems like a starter to me. Um, really? I, I like I like Jorge better. Jor I put Jorge. That's the one the one objection I would have to this lineup. Okay. I put Jorge in there. Okay. I mean, you're wrong, but I will, I will allow you to have that objection. Um, Derek Williams and Sega Koulibaly. There's going to be questions about Koulibaly because he has not shown 
well in the last couple of games. So you look at that. And then Julian Araujo, who has been and is the best right back in Major League Soccer right now. Um, so that's the starting lineup. On the bench, though, was interesting, too. Stara's returned to the bench. Now, I had told you, I, we had talked about maybe him possibly being injured, all that stuff. He was fine. These were all coaches' decisions, Kevin. He, that's, that's 100% coaches' decisions. So he at least was back on the bench. Didn't get to play. In fact, they brought in O'Neill Fisher whenever they eventually shifted to a 3-5-2 um, that ended up getting him a goal there in the, in the last minutes. But Stara's at least back on the bench. You had Grant Sear on the bench. Um, I thought that was interesting and it allows Greg Vanny so much flexibility in bringing him off the bench in order to really, you know, uh, use his speed and his creativity to create problems later on in the match. So I kind of like that. Although when you think about an a-, a lineup, perhaps you move somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos out and that's a discussion. Certainly uh, Jonathan Dos Santos out. Um, you put Vasquez and maybe Revelison in there. Um, you're able to sort of shift Sebastian Legette into more central role and you put Grant Sear on the right hand side or switch him with Cabral and that's that is also an A lineup whenever you have Chicharito in there as well. So um, lots of things to say, but I will tell you this. Greg Vanny didn't lack in choices for this game, and that's that's something new that we haven't really seen, right? Yeah, and Efrain Alvarez is so much better coming off the bench than he is starting, I think. Yeah, I mean, listen, as hard as I have been on Efrain Alvarez, his contributions in the last, let's say, three or four games have been outstanding. I mean, he has been able to create offense. He's found spaces. He has found the game pace. And I think that when he comes off the bench, that allows his like top pace, his I'm rested and ready to go, to go against the I'm tired pace of m- some of the other players. And so that a little adjustment and speed there really lets him sort of set things off. And he was involved, I think, in two of the goals, um, or at well, least one. It, yeah, I think, too, that he, you know... Uh, uh, Zlatan talked a lot about this. When you're on the bench, you sort of see how the game develops much more than you do on on the field. I think maybe Efrain kind of falls in that category, that he really kind of gets into the flow of the game on the bench. And so when he steps on the field, he knows exactly what he needs to do. doesn't seem to work as well when he's in the starting lineup. He doesn't really seem to have a grasp on where the game's going. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think things are getting a lot better. Listen, all all, all young players have been playing a lot better. Um, certainly, the ones that Greg Vanny has been trusting. You saw it in this game, and this game is that perfect example. You're going to get two goals from uh, Dejan Jovalic, and that is a guy who has not scored a goal yet for the LA Galaxy. Um, by the way, one of the uh, I think funniest and and not funny for reasons because he was trying to be funny. But go watch his post game uh, press conference. He's a guy you have to sort of pull things out of. He gives quick, easy, no, like sort of no nonsense answers. Uh, he's earning the nickname the machine, Kevin. He's I, I'm telling you right now that he's like I am the machine. I don't know if you've seen Burt Kreischer and and his his uh, his whole uh, comedy that he does, and he calls himself the machine, and he has a whole bit about it. But for me, Dejan Jovalich is the machine. You know, uh, I think Larry said so. So, you know, why were you able to, can you talk us through the goal? And, and, and Jovalich is like, yeah, I'll talk you through the goal. Uh, uh, Sebastian gave me the ball and I turned it and I shot and it went in. There was it. That was it. That was, that was, that was him talking through the goal. And it's like, well, there it was, Larry, you asked the question, you got the answer, right? Um, so yeah. And then he jumped up on the wall after the second goal, tore his shirt off and jumped up on the wall. Uh, you know, if you had done that at Bank of California two years ago, it would have been a, a, a homicide reported this time there were fans grabbing him and 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 you know presumably lafc season ticket holders in those seats right and they were all just so happy to see him come over 
Oh, I mean, you know, the, there was the video that the LA Galaxy posted after the game of Jonathan Dos Santos walking out of the stadium and having to stop and take pictures with LAFC fans as Jonathan Dos Santos goes by and stuff like that. And, you know, that's fodder for the uh, for the interwebs for everybody um, and, and how that goes. But um, for me, when I look at this lineup, I, I, I'm actually OK with the first half, Kevin. I thought the Galaxy played OK in the first half. Obviously, there's the penalty scare in the like first 30 seconds um, that Fox is insistent there was contact. And I would just say, and then they were wondering why it wasn't a foul. At no point did any of the replays actually show any contact from Julian Araujo on Diego Rossi. The only thing you can definitely absolutely say is that Diego Rossi's foot hit his back foot and he fell down. That's the only thing. Now, you have to imagine that it didn't just do that on its own, right? But you can't actually see the contact in any replay. But they went over and over and over again for most of the first 10, 15 minutes where it was, oh, well, there should have been a penalty there. And eventually LAFC does get their penalty. But I'm telling you right now that if you're VAR and you look at that and you're trying to find the definitive angle that shows contact and the shows that Julian Araujo brought down Diego Rossi, uh, there was nothing there. Maybe uh, that's why he's going to Turkey. He's th- not getting the calls. He's not getting the calls. That's what it was. It, you know, I don't know. Maybe the air was thicker here and he tripped over the air. I don't know. You know, it was one of those. Um, but I really thought that, um, you know, Julian Rajo got a little lucky there and the LA Galaxy loved to give up penalty kicks. Um, and so it, it's one of those things. Um, and by the way, the penalty kick that they eventually did give up, which came after... Uh, go watch the highlights again. I, I implore you, go watch that first half. The Galaxy actually had some sh- some chances. Jovalich scores his first goal uh, on a cross from Julian Araujo. He didn't get credit for the assist. Otherwise, Araujo would have three assists on well, the night. Well, that's because he hit the defender. He's not going to get credit for the... I mean, the ball freaking was right at Dion. I mean, I'm, he's not yeah, going to get it. it. I get it. The, no, it hit the defender. I, I get that. Okay, but if if Araujo doesn't put that ball exactly where he does, the defender doesn't trip over his own feet and kick the ball right. into the thing. No, he set up the goal, but you Juli- can't, give him the, can't even give him a hockey assist on that one. Julian Araujo was involved in all three goals uh, yes, he and was. had two assists on the night. And yes, that, he did. That's what. That's all I'm saying. I'm sa- I'm just saying. I'm saying. But it, so technically, if we talk about a player who assists on a goal, right? The way you assist is to get the ball into somebody, right? That's all you're trying to do. The, did the ball not find Dayan Jovalich? Did, was it not kicked right at him? Did it not find him? <laughs> yeah, kicked at him by the defender. Yeah, it's it wasn't kicked a, at him by the defender. Defender tripped over his assist. fit. It's an own assist. It's yeah. an own assist. Well, of course, which is why it's not an assist. I get it. Yeah. I'm just saying, if if Julian Araujo doesn't kick the ball, does that ball get to, to jo- Jovalich? And the answer is no. Again, this is my. I'm laying the case here that that whoever voted for team of the week did so with their eyes closed to Julian Araujo, involved in all three plays, played very well defensively. For most of the night, the only thing you can sort of look at was the uh, Brian Rodriguez dribble through the box. And and again, an excellent goal um, from Brian Rodriguez that that really should have buoyed um, LAFC to a win in this game. Um, but whenever you see what Julian Araujo did and the people that they put on team of the week, nobody else had the impact in defense as Julian Araujo did on his on his uh, at his position for his team and through consistency throughout 90 minutes. There was not even close. Um, and so for me, whenever you look at who the best player on the field was in this game, I think you have to look at Julian Araujo, don't you, Kevin? I thought he was the best player in the game. And and that's saying something because there were two guys that had two goals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you and, and there were, um, you know, there you was had, a brace of braces. 
There, there were, there were, and and certainly you got Rodriguez on one side. Um, you got you know LAFC with the penalty kick at the at the end of the first half. That really killed the LA Galaxy's momentum. If they don't do that, and Hamelinen has to get his hands down, um, whenever you look at that. But if you see, don't. See? Jorge, Jorge Villafani didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, true. true <laughs> Jorge doesn't make that play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will. Uh, again, I look at that play and I watch the replays and I wonder how much Hamelinen actually twisted uh, the player there because um, that's it's just there seems like there's a lot of force being applied in uh, with a little tiny shirt grab. Um, so it's one of those that you certainly look at and, and say. Um, but I thought LAFC was much better in the second half. I think that they should have won the game. Um, and the fact that they weren't able to keep Jovalich and that second goal he scored, Kevin, to me, that's if he's going to score goals like that, the LA Galaxy are going to be fine with him, right? Is that not a Chicharito goal, which is get the ball, turn, fire with your left foot and hit it across? I mean, he just gets it and fires. That's that's Chicharito for me. Yeah, two poachers now. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and. You know, Greg Vanny said, you know, we knew we were going to sort of get him in these positions and that they weren't afraid of him scoring goals. Right. They, they knew he would score goals um, if you get him. And he was asked after the uh, after the game on the press conference, like, well, do you feel more comfortable or, you know, what was different about today? And he goes, well, no, they just got me the ball. And then that's why I scored. Like, I, I haven't got the ball before. You know what? Another thing that he's done is he's taken a lot of the pressure off Cabral. We're not even talking about the fact Cabral scored for the third game in a row. Third game or third and four, right? It's, I, I, is it actually three in a row? I think it's three out of four. It doesn't Whatever. matter. He's, yeah. he's scoring now. That's the point. And, and remember, that's all we talked about for, for weeks. It's, oh, when's Cabral going to score? When's Grand Sierra going to score? No one's mentioning it now. And he's scoring, which is the point. The pressure's off and he's he's excelling. He's, he's excelling. But I mean, let's talk about Kevin Cabral for a second here. How many times did we see him score goals, but he also missed like four big chances in a game, right? Um, go back and look at his game, Kevin. And when you look at his game, you can see he goes... And he is able to um, have a header on target that he hits, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, he has, uh, and it was saved. It should it should have gone in, quite honestly. Um, and then you look at some other things um, that have happened uh, with Cabral. It's just the bottom line is that he is um, absolutely, uh, you know, doing more. He's getting his chances and he's taking his chances. And whenever he takes his chances, um, it's, it's working for him. I mean, you know, for me, it's just, it's the, it's the progression and I'm not going to say he's great. And I know there's lots of people who want to criticize him, but what I do want to say, Kevin, is that Cabral is, is advancing and we're watching it. He had three chances to score in the game and he put one on that forced a great save and he scored the other one. Um, I'll take that all day long is he's getting chances and he's converting and he didn't miss any sitters. Those are things that you have to see. By the way, the most pressure goal that he scored with the LA Galaxy so far, Kevin. That's that's what that's what we saw him do. And to me, that's that's huge. Well, and he scored off on Araujo uh, cross again too. Uh, you know, one thing about Araujo, you talk about the passing ability. That the the non-assist pass was a, a beautiful pass. It was a long cross, probably thirty-five yards, right? Uh, he he does a great job of finding guys, which is, I think about, I know he's playing more as a winger and he's pushing forward and all that kind of stuff, but he is at heart a defender. And, and a lot of times defenders have problems with that. We have problems looking up and finding the guy, uh, the open man. And, and Araujo is really good at that. He is. Um, and he talks about how Greg Vanny wanted him to get to the end line and wanted to get him to score um, and wanted to, you know, and wanted to have those cutback plays. I thought it was really interesting. I'm trying to find the tweet that somebody sent to me. Um, because I thought it was 
It was so just, it was right on. And, and if you're looking for the positives for the LA Galaxy, right? If you're looking for the things that should be, um, you know, that, that should be getting you excited about this season and the next season. And you know what? It's not always about this season. Um, it's about it's about so many things that are developing down the way as well. Um, this uh, Grady sent this in, by the way, uh, on a tweet, and he says, uh, names aside, uh, this is what it looked like for the game-winning goal. A 24-year-old passes to a 19-year-old who passes to a 20-year-old who slots it to a 22-year-old who, who buries it in the 86th minute of an El Trafico game on the road. That's what happened for the LA Galaxy's game-tying goal. Um, and uh, when you look at what Araujo was able to do, not only to get to the end line, Kevin, but he basically took six LA Galaxy defenders with him whenever he went to that end line. He said everybody he saw collapsing towards that goal line, and he knew if he cut it back and he saw Kevin standing there that he was going to able to put it away. Um, for me, it just shows a level of maturity, both from Cabral and from Araujo. What did we see in the San Jose game, Kevin, whenever they were down a goal and they were trying to score? was we saw them trying to force things and we saw them trying to, you know, make things happen and then nothing happens and they're overhitting balls and overpassing, right? What did we not see them do against LAFC? They did not panic. They played their game. Vanny changed the formation. Again, the 3-5-2 is a great one for them. Whenever they do that, putting Cabral and Jovalich up top in order to do that. And Jovalich's run really does suck a lot of people towards the near post too. And then you have Cabral standing at the top. To me, that is... Um, that's progress for everything. That is exactly what you want to see. And if you can continue that, and listen, I know it's a point, I, but the Galaxy could have e easily lost that game, Kevin. We know that. You could see how well, they're playing. Not only it's a point, but it also extends their winless streak to three games, which ties the season high. But, you know, Greg Vanny is really putting a stamp on the team, I think was another thing that comes out of this game and this week. Greg Vanny's putting a stamp on this team. 17 new players, all players that Vanny wanted, Many of them that he went out and recruited, some of them that he's tried to recruit for years, he back to Toronto. He's putting a stamp on this team. These are the players he wanted. They're playing the way he wants to play. And, uh, you know, I th we keep hearing new rumors. It keeps getting stronger and stronger that Dennis DeClosa looks like he's on the way out and Vanny is going to take both jobs. So, uh, you know, if, if he can find enough time in his calendar to do both jobs, it looks like he's doing a great job there now. But it, it's Vanny's team. People talk about what was the most important offseason acquisition you know, for the Galaxy, was it Bond? Was it, you know, Cabral? No, it was Greg Vanny. Yeah, clearly. It is. Uh, by the way, Logan uh, sent us a $5 Super Chat, says, should the Galaxy stay in a 3-5-2 formation for the rest of the year? We talk about the 3-5-2. It's been effective, Kevin. We've seen it be effective. Um, this is when the Galaxy have pressed and pushed in order to score goals is to put it into that 3-5-2, or if they want to be defensive, make that a 5-3-2 or 5-4-1, um, a lot of ways too. So, you know, is it... So how, how would you play that from the start? Would you have, would you have Williams, uh, Koulibaly and Steris? Usually a three-man three backfield, three-man back line is three center backs. Yes. Then you can put a Rajo out on one wing. You put a Rajo on a, one on wing, Hamelainen or Viafania on the other side as a winger, right? Those are wing backs now, so you have to go up and back. You expect them to track back on defense, so you're five on defense, three on attack um, whenever you're you're counting that back line. So you put that there. Um, then, you know, so you look at... Uh, on the defensive side, Ravellison needs to be in there. Uh, Legette needs to be in there. You may have to put Efrain, Grand Sur, um, Cabral. I'm probably going to get too many players eventually, but uh, Jovalich in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at how you sort of twist that, but I would go three in the center backs, and I think that Dan Stairs is going to have a chance to redeem himself. If you look at the problems here, again, on defense, and, and 
listen, I, I want to make sure I get it right because somebody in the Discord was actually asking for the quotes on Greg Vanny saying, oh, well, we have three weeks and well, I'm going to fix the defense. He goes, he basically said, we need to make our defense better. It's not that he's going to fix it. It's not that it's going to be magical or different. And by the way, if you're saying, you know, oh, well, the defense needs to be different, the defense isn't going to be different. Greg already told you he has his team. Now, I think Dan Stairs is going to get a chance to play himself back in, but I think right now he's in the doghouse for whatever reason with the coaches. Um, because if you can't make a a, a bench um, then you certainly can't start. Um, and Dan has sort of been on the edge of that for whatever reason. Um, but I think that Koulibaly has proven that he is mistake prone. If you want to look at the Brian Rodriguez goal and put somebody in who made the biggest mistake, it's Koulibaly for diving in. Uh, Araujo at least tried to track, track Rodriguez and Williams was there to try to slide it at the last end. And by the way, a great finish from Brian Rodriguez. Um, you have to eventually you have to tip your hat to a goal scorer too. sharp angle, Kevin, and going roof from that particular spot is great now should he have got there no and greg vanny was hysterical in the press in the post game he's like you you don't want to be he goes that 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 goal is going to be replayed for the next 20 years he goes you don't want to be those guys who are defenders who get to watch that for the next 20 years he goes i was part of that whenever Precky carved us up on a couple goals he goes and i didn't enjoy it i thought that was such a wonderful perspective on things you know uh, what the galaxy's goal differential is uh zero yes that's correct 35 and 35 the other thing that that the, the three five two does is I think one problem the Galaxy has had because Araujo is so aggressive and pushing forward, you've mentioned a number of times, is whoever is playing in front of him, the midfielder in a traditional setup, who's ever in front of him, sometimes Efrain Alvarez, they they don't track back, and Araujo gets exposed. I think when you go with a three five two, that comes with part of the territory. Araujo doesn't expect anyone to be behind him. I, th I think he's going to play a little bit freer. Uh, you know, I think the center backs are going to have his back a little bit. I, that's one problem I think that Araujo's had is that when he pushes forward, if if, it, if he doesn't have anyone behind him, right, there's a lot of problems. I think that that formation would clear that up. Yeah, it, it very well could. Um, I think it's uh, it, it's really, um, you know, it, it's it's one of the things that is most important is that Greg Vanny talks about all the time, Kevin. Right? It's about cheating on offense. Um, and it's about wanting to get forward and wanting to do things. Um, and when you do that, when you cheat and you try to go forward and you try to do things, then there can be problems with that. Um, and you have to then recover for those things as well. So, uh, that's always something to keep in mind, certainly for, for the galaxy. Um, just looking at shot charts, uh, the galaxy got out shot, what, 20 to, I'm trying to remember 25 to 10, 25 to 10 total. Um, that, but, but they also got three goals from 10 shots and LAFC got, they had 25 shots, but really only two goals from the run of play. The other one was a penalty kick. So, I mean, talk about not wasting your opportunities. No, absolutely not. They, uh, the Galaxy were were very much in, involved in that as much as they could. Um, just looking at the overall passing, uh, Galaxy had a higher percentage passing, 80%, 67.2% um, in the attacking half, and the final third, 73.3%. Uh, crosses, Galaxy only got 8.7. Do you remember the last time? Do you remember last year whenever the Galaxy would have like 74 crosses? Um, and no completions um, yeah. to, to, to nobody who was standing there. Uh, that's something to sort of take a look at. I'll tell you here, uh, if you look at the uh, possession-wise, they gave uh, LAFC 60 or 59.5, so 60% possession. The Galaxy had 40% possession. Can you imagine scoring three goals on 40% possession? To me, that's that showed that the Galaxy were very much playing a game. I, I still argue, excuse me, I still argue, by the way, Kevin, that... The Galaxy might be a better counterattacking team and sort of at least a counterpressing team than they are maybe a possession-based team. And I've seen a lot of games where they do what I mean, it's one of the reasons I think they have an okay record on the road is that they are comfortable giving possession away and then just, 
you know, a counterattack is really a smart way to attack quickly. And I think the Galaxy are smart in that right now. Um, they, I think they need to develop their possession game. But in this game, again, three goals off of 40% possession. That is not a horrible way for, uh, for the Galaxy to go on that. And if you look at the expected goals, uh, 2.5 for LAFC to 1.3 for the Galaxy. That's interesting. Uh, you have to understand that I think a penalty hit goal is like 0.75. So a lot of that uh, 2.5 comes from that 0.75. But LAFC was, I thought, the better team, certainly in the second half. Um, and I would love to see the LA Galaxy be the better team in the second half. Uh, we haven't seen that in a long time. In fact, most of the time when they win games, Kevin, it's because they score in the first half uh, and at least do enough early in the second half to sort of be like, OK, we've got this game in the bag and then, you know, sort of grind out the rest of the game. So uh, if you're looking at things that need to get better, I think that might be one of the things that Craig Van. Well, what about at. the midfield? We have three. Well, two assists, but really three from a defender. We have the goals all coming from forwards. What were the midfielders doing? Run, running around? Not, you know, not maybe not doing much. <laughs> uh, I thought Sebastian Legette, I know people are, have, have been all over Legette. I thought Legette had a good game um, in this game, actually. I know it's quiet, and I know people will say, oh, I don't think it was that good. I thought he was... He was solid defensively. I thought he was okay on the offensive side. Um, if we go to Fop Mob and sort of look at their player rankings as well, Sebastian Legette had one of the higher ones, a 7.7 rating. Kevin Cabral had a goal and got a 7.5 rating. Uh, Jovalich got an 8.8 .8 rating and then Julian Araujo an 8.1 and Jonathan Bond gave up three goals, Kevin. We talked about this and got a 7.8 rating. Um, outside of that, Jonathan Dos Santos did not, I don't think, had a good game. Um, Sega Koulibaly did not have a good game. Uh, Nico Hamelainen was probably one of his worst games. Um, and Viafania, uh, Viafania, yeah, just just play Jorge, right? That's your answer. That's that's going to fix Jorge. the defense. Is, well, is you know the thing with Sebastian Legit though is he's playing out on the wing, similar to where he plays with the U.S. national teams, getting involved in the offense a little bit. This is one thing Greg Berhalter said earlier this year. He said Greg Vanny is going to figure Sebastian out. He said with the national team. It took a while for Legette to grow on us. We really didn't know what to do with him at first, and we used him in a variety of different positions, and then we finally found one. He said, Greg, Greg Vanny's going to figure that out. I think maybe he figured it out. And and I, I guess on the Thursday show you talked about Jonathan Dos Santos and his press conference last week where he said, uh, looks like I'm not coming back. I, you right. know, he didn't sound very optimistic. Um, and certainly a performance like that didn't help him. I figured out earlier today, I know you've been following this too, the last two years, he's played less than 42% of the available minutes for the Galaxy. He's the second highest paid player on the team. That's just not good enough. Yeah, I mean, this year right now, 47.3% of total available minutes. Um, only uh, Chicharito has less, 43.7%. Chicharito missed 12 games, uh, has missed 12 games so far. Now, it looks like Greg Vanny said uh, that the LA Galaxy are targeting the 9-11 game at Colorado as Chicharito's return. I would imagine that's off the bench. They're going to start working him into things, but that seems to be a green light go as of right now. We won't, by the way, uh, no no press conference this week. So there's no media call that we have with Greg Vanny. It's an off week uh, as the LA Galaxy don't have any games. But um, I, I think if you're looking for a wrap, on this uh, on this LAFC LA Galaxy game, uh, if you anytime you go into Bank of California Stadium and you can get a draw or a win, Kevin for the LA Galaxy, it's a win. Um, it doesn't matter if you only got one point. The one point hurts LAFC way more than it hurts the LA Galaxy um, because LAFC needs to climb up that that uh, that table if they're going to do anything. And right now, you know they're they're below the playoff line uh, and looks like they're not going to make the playoffs, right? And then we talked about them possibly moving some guys and and doing some stuff, and so maybe it is a white flag now. Maybe they've realized they're not going to make it. They're not going to make that but run. 
but that's the only point LAFC has got this month. So it's actually better than they've done previously. I, I don't think that'll comfort them at all, though. Do you? I it, mean, it really, it really felt like a loss for LAFC and like a win for the Galaxy. Yeah. And in fact, neither team won and neither team lost. Right. And 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 by the way, I think it was probably a fair result that it was a draw. Um, seeing everything that happened, I mean, you don't sit there and go, "Oh, that's those are lucky goals." I didn't think there were any lucky goals. You could say uh, Dayon uh, and and his first goal was lucky, but at the same time, if you ask him, he was like, "No, I was expecting that ball to get through." He I, he knew. He was like, no, it's coming to me, the whole deal. And then, and then you have a defender kick it, and basically it goes right to him, and he scores. By the way, I always I always find this interesting. Jovalich, after he he chips that up towards the goal, uh, gets absolutely leveled um, by the goalkeeper, by LAFC's goalkeeper, right? Uh, so if that doesn't go in the net, does the goalkeeper get... I mean, first of all, the goalkeeper should have been yellow carded for that anyway, because you're, you're you know, that's borderline red card, endangering safety, that type of thing. But anytime a ball is kicked and then somebody gets taken out in the box, everybody's like, well, the, it already passed. You know, things have already gone through. But if you look at what happens to Jovalich in this particular, let's say that didn't he, that didn't go in, Kevin, right? Let's say a defender was able to clear it off the line. That's That's got to be a penalty kick brought, brought back, right? Or, or is that uh, the unwritten rule, which is once the ball's gone, anything can happen to you. It's not... It's a foul anywhere else on the field. If you pass the ball to somebody and somebody takes you out right afterwards, anywhere else on the field, but in the penalty box, is that is that a penalty kick after you've already kicked it? I don't know. Tristan Blackman almost did clear that ball off the line and get very close. But, you know, speaking of looking at replays, go back to Brian Rodriguez's goal, the first one when he weaved his way through the traffic there. Look at Jonathan Bond. Bond comes off his line a little bit. He's down on the ground, kind of down on his knees, He's got his arms out. It looks kind of like a hockey goalkeeper um, in perfect position because from that angle, there's no way Brian Rodriguez gets that ball airborne. And what did he do? He puts it into the roof of the net. No, I mean, it was it was fun. You know, Bond has some criticism in this game. Uh, certainly, I think it is. Uh, it's the one uh, on the rebound goal. I think it was their uh, third goal, right? Uh, LAFC's third goal, uh, where the ball is kicked and it's a shot from outside the box. The ball bounces just before it gets to Bond and his rebound is straight back. Now, you'd love to see that go to the side. That ball was hit hard. That ball bounced right in front of him. I'm not sure that you can just go in and say, absolutely, that's a bond mistake. Um, but I know that there are people calling for for Jonathan Klinsman to come in and and take over for Bond at this point, which I just I, I can't I can't subscribe to. So um, if you're looking at this game for the LA Galaxy, as you said, it feels like a win for the LA Galaxy. You don't lose at your rival stadium. Um, and by the way, this game once again proves that San Jose is not really the rival for the LA Galaxy anymore because I see Galaxy fans and how they react to this game versus how they react to the San Jose game. Um, and those are not the same. One of these things doesn't belong here. One of these things is, is kind of the same, you know, that, 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 that Sesame I, I street think thing. San Jose is third at best. I would say Seattle's. I mean, I would say that if the Galaxy get better, that they can have once again make Seattle a rival. But, you know, just for things, I always said that as well. I always thought Seattle was one of those as well. So anyway, that's where we sit uh, with that. Lots of uh, lots of interesting things. We talked about team of the week, right? We talked about uh, that Julian Araujo didn't get listed in this, despite the fact that he had probably one of the better games as a defender uh, throughout the season. So absolute snub by that. Um, so, you know, I don't know. They can't even claim, uh, the East coast bias people can't even claim that they had to stay up too late, Kevin. It was, uh, it was right in prime time for them. So I don't know how that is, but, uh, Jovalich did make the bench, um, on this game for the team of the week. So I guess if you're playing the home a game, three, a three, four, three, hmm. yeah, well, you know, they have to try to, there was a lot of offense going on around the league. So they had to try to pack in as many off offensive players as possible. That's probably why Julian Araujo gets left off. But that being said, Go ahead, find me, find me Julian Araujo against Lovitz, Sanchez, oh, and, and yeah. 
Uh, Stephen Clark. I mean, Clark. He, did you see that game? No, the, I, I watched. If some Clark of it. is going to be there. The 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 goalpost gets on the assist. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they that, had must have seven or eight shots off the goalpost. It was it was a lot. Seattle was uh, was all over that, and for some if, reason, if it just that didn't goal work. was one inch narrow, uh, you know, uh, wider on either side, Seattle puts up seven. Yeah. Absolutely. Could be. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's team of the week and, and that's how it is. I can't really complain because I would never vote in that even if they allowed me to because I can't watch 27 teams play. Uh, it's it's almost impossible. Uh, I wanted to go through here because we, we know there's a two week break for the LA Galaxy. I wanted to remind everybody there's not a two week break for everybody. Um, and some teams will be playing this Friday coming up, September 3rd. Uh, you know, Nashville is hosting New York City. Philadelphia is hosting. Without Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, Philadelphia is hosting. These are guys who are going to be missing guys for international games. This is So the Galaxy are have a good schedule this way. But we also talk about teams that have games in hand. And one of those teams will play on Saturday. That's Colorado. Colorado will go to San Jose. San Jose on a bit of a, a tear. I don't I didn't remember what they did over the weekend because I really didn't pay any attention. Um, but Colorado, this is one of the games Colorado has in hand so that'll be an interesting game but that's coming up on saturday so friday and saturday there are still mls games coming up as stupid as that is um and then everybody will once again reconvene starting on friday september 10th after the international break um atlanta and orlando vancouver and portland and then you go on the saturday games the la galaxy will have that 12 30 p.m game for reasons unknown um 12 30 p.m game at colorado um, coming up on September 11th, and it's a full slate of games on that Saturday as well. So uh, just sort of keep that in mind as we continue on there. This is not, um, this is one of those things that you need to watch because this schedule gets a little little crazy, a little wacky here, Kevin, from here on out. Um, How so, many players are the Galaxy going to be missing to international duty, Josh? Do you happen to know that? I do happen to know that. Thanks for asking, Kevin. Um, right now we have six players called into international duty with one more possibly as well. So um, the one that we're still sort of waiting for is... It's uh, Chicharito. Not Chicharito. Although, Jorge Villafania. Nope, not that guy either. Uh, is uh, O'Neill Fisher. Uh, O'Neill oh. Fisher was named to the Jamaican team, but it looks like he's on the alternate list for that. And... It's, it's it's expecting that some guys will not be able to play during these games because uh, some of the English oh, England okay. play, players won't be able to go to red list countries, quote unquote. And so they don't expect. So there was actually a whole bunch of asterisks uh, next to names. Um, and whenever you look at those names, you could say those were the people who are expected to be able to play in other countries and that type of thing. And O'Neill Fisher is one of them, but he's not on there. So we have six. Uh, Danilo Acosta gets called up for Honduras. Jonathan Dos Santos for Mexico. Nico Hamalainen for Finland. Carlos Harvey for Panama. Sebastian Lejet for the United States. And Ryan uh, Revelison um, for Madagascar. Now, anybody not playing in CONCACAF uh, is going to have two games, right? So you have, uh, excuse me, that's not even true because Nico Hamalainen has three um, that they're going to be playing. So uh, Finland versus Wales, Finland at France, Finland versus Kazakhstan uh, coming up for Nico Hamalainen. Uh, Ravelison has uh, two games coming up, uh, Madagascar versus Benin, and then Madagascar at Tanzania um, is one to sort oh, of... Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's Big it's, Derby game there. It's fun. If you want to watch Galaxy players, it's kind of fun to watch some of these things. But Acosta, uh, Danilo Acosta is going to be playing for Honduras. Honduras at Canada. Honduras at El Salvador. Honduras versus USA. You know Danilo Acosta has never made a senior team Honduran men's national team roster. So he has not done that. You uh, you look at Jonathan Dos Santos, who has 58 appearances for Mexico. Mexico's schedule is versus Jamaica at Costa Rica and at Panama. So Jonathan Dos Santos has two away games in CONCACAF. Um, before he comes back. So we talk about, you know, all the minutes and things on, on legs. That's, that's going to be tough. Going to see people. 
He, he's got, he, I don't know. He's not going to see people because people didn't get called in. We haven't seen people get called he in. He was on the, he was at the game at the, at, at the diggity. I mean, he early, wasn't, he wasn't listed as one of the six. So I can tell okay. you that as of right now, he's, he's not, and that could change. Well, no, because he's not on the roster. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause they already announced Costa Rica already announced their roster, right? So he's not yeah, on the roster. No, he is. I think he is. He's not on the, he's not one of the galaxy guys because he's not on the galaxy roster. He's, he's, he's on the, uh, he's, he's still on the galaxy roster, isn't he? Or did he not? Where did he go? Did they loan him out? Is that what it is? I don't know. Kevin, you disappeared again. I can't remember. Oh, good. We'll just, we'll lose Kevin for the second time in the show. It's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, Carlos Harvey playing for Panama, Panama versus Costa Rica, Panama, Jamaica, Panama versus Mexico. Uh, and then we have Sebastian Legette, uh, USA at El Salvador, USA versus Canada, USA at Honduras. So there's a lot of games coming up for um, these internationals. Um, and so it'll be interesting to sort of see how those go. Um, and how they that people got moved off the uh, roster again. Am I, am I not remembering already? Yeah. He got moved off the galaxy okay. roster. Yes. Okay. I can't remember anymore. It's, you know, it's too much. I can't No, I, he, and he played for, uh, he played fairly well in that Costa Rica, El Salvador game. Right. So he was, is it interesting that like, 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 uh, Harvey, you know, guys coming off galaxy two yes. uh, are getting called for international duty. Yes. I don't know if that says a lot about those teams. If it says a lot about the galaxy. Right. Right. No, I, I think there's a there's a lot of different things um, just in terms of, well, I mean, the LA Galaxy also had to move Carlos Harvey down. Um, the LA Galaxy also had to do some some other things, um, you know, to, to move some rosters around and do some other things. So, uh, again, it's just it's one of those things that you look at and say, OK, there's going to be a lot of guys. And, and, you know, Harvey and I think Danilo Costa even got some LA Galaxy two time as well. So there's a lot of stuff that is going to weigh on the LA Galaxy as they come back for this. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things we'll keep watching and we'll see how sort of all of the, uh, and I don't know how to say this, but, um, we'll see how all of the, the wear and tear sort of builds up on all of these guys, uh, as we continue to go. Did we get you back, Kevin? So we're going without video on me. That's probably a wise choice. Yeah. No one needs to look at me. That's fine. We can, we can do that as well. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do that. We also have some other stuff to go through here as well. We showed you, um, you know, so that's your international players. I just want to put a bow on that and, and sort of say, and again, the the games coming up for these guys, I mean, especially look at look at uh, Ravellison. Look how far he's going to have to travel. Uh, Thursday, September 2nd, he plays. Uh, Tuesday, September 7th, he plays. And then he's supposed to be back for a September 11th game at Altitude, Kevin. Um, that's what we're seeing for Ravellison. So uh, that's going to be some wear and tear. And this get, this schedule for the LA Galaxy doesn't get any better. We've talked to it. We've talked about this a bunch, but we look at this this roster, this uh, September schedule. Remember, two weeks off at the beginning of September. Galaxy don't play again until September 11th at Colorado, uh, Kevin, and we get Colorado, you know, uh, the LA Galaxy at Colorado, then LA Galaxy, their only home game of September is versus Houston, and that's a midweek game, uh, I believe. And then we're going to have Minnesota, um, Minnesota, um, at Minnesota for the Galaxy, at Austin for the Galaxy, at Real Salt Lake for the Galaxy. So um, a bunch of away games, a bunch of times for the LA Galaxy to drop points whenever you think that winning on the road is harder to do than winning at home. Um, so we'll see what the LA Galaxy are made of after they have all these internationals go and uh, and really sort of start to uh, start to to, to fold uh, back well, in. Look at those cities you named. Austin's going to be very hot. Two of the cities are at altitude, and Minnesota is a tough place to play because of the uh, you know the stadium and the fans. Right. Yeah, it, none of these are easy. I don't expect any of these games to be easy, so that's hard. Uh, and then you have October, and October still has five games in it as well. 
Um, so there's stuff around to, an international break around another international break. So 10, three, the LA galaxy will play and host LAFC. Of course, that's the Landon Donovan, uh, statue unveiling game, 10, three. Uh, and then there's a break until October 16th, uh, when the LA galaxy will host the Portland Timbers. Uh, then they go on the road to Houston. That's never easy. Uh, then they'll go, uh, and host Dallas. So the galaxy will have a chance in October to sort of end this season more at home, but they will still have to November 1st travel up to play Seattle and then they'll come home to play Minnesota the very last game of the season. So um, there's a lot of stuff um, right now um, that you have to look at. So, and, and by the way, Logan asked, do the players have to quarantine when they come back from the international break? And the answer is at least right now, no. Um, that is That has been the answer, especially as long as I believe they're vaccinated, they don't have to do that, Kevin. That's my my understanding. Well, I, 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 I would add a caveat, though. It may depend on where they're going because they've already divided stuff up into, you know, red list countries and blue list countries and, you know, chartreuse list countries. So uh, th- there could be something to, to, you know, to deal deal with the countries, too. Um, I, I don't, but, yeah, I don't know the rule. I mean, it's definitely something to take a look at. But I think you're going to see a lot of squad rotation, as you mentioned, the guys coming back from Africa and, right. and Europe and places. It's going to be very difficult. And, you know, look at the U.S. team. Look at Sebastian Legette. He flew from L.A. to Nashville on Sunday. Uh, the, he was one of the guys that trained today. They're going to fly to El Salvador, play in the heat and humidity. They're going to fly there on Wednesday. They're going to play in the heat and humidity Thursday. Friday, they fly to Nashville. They play Sunday. Tuesday, they fly back to uh, Central America, to Honduras, play there. Then the team charter goes to uh, Miami on Thursday, and then he has to come back to to L.A. to play on the 11th. I mean, that's probably one of the easier uh, travel routings for these international players. And that sounds pretty exhausting to me. So, uh, And I'll be doing it, too, by the way. I leave for El Salvador tomorrow morning. Right. Um, um, that just sounds exhausting to me. And, and the one thing I think going, it's kind of going in one of the things going in the galaxy's favor hitting into this home stretch is they will get Chicharito back. Presumably if you believe Greg Vanny and, and there's no reason not to believe him now. Um, and, and so with the way they're playing, they add Chicharito who won't be up, you know, ready to play 90 minutes for quite some time, but it is like, like getting a really good striker, a guy with 10 goals, at the transfer window, at the end of the transfer window. I mean, it's like the Galaxy made a trade for a goal scorer um, because they've played without him for 12 games now. Yeah, I mean, that's it. that's going to be the main storyline here is going into Colorado is how many minutes does Chicharito get and what kind of form does he sort of have whenever he comes back and how much training is he able to do in the next two weeks to sort of get him ready for all that. Uh, he's basically going through another preseason as well. Let's 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 be very honest that, um, you know, the, a return to form might be difficult for him. So it'll be uh, be something to watch. I'm trying to think if there's any. Um, I, I want to get to standings just so we understand where everybody is before we hit this international break. Uh, New England in the Eastern Conference at 49 points. Orlando is second place in the Eastern Conference, tied actually with Nashville for 35 points. New York City at 34, Philadelphia 32, Montreal 31, D.C. at 30. D.C. slowly starting to creep up a little bit um, in terms of uh, where they're at. Um, and you go through and look at Miami. Uh, Toronto is in dead last place. Again, uh, Greg Vanny's former team, 15 points from their 22 games uh, as we look at the Eastern Conference there, Kevin. 
Um, when we look at the Western Conference, it's Seattle in the first place, 42 points, two points clear of Kansas City, who has 40 points, uh, Colorado at 38, the Galaxy at 36. I believe Colorado also drew over the weekend. Um, so both those things basically stayed uh, the same. And we talked about Colorado having a, a game in hand coming up. Minnesota, 31 points. Uh, so they're five points back behind the LA Galaxy. And then it's Portland at 27, Salt Lake at 27, uh, Vancouver below the playoff line with 26, San Jose with 26, Dallas 25, LAFC with 24. Austin with 19 points and Houston with 19 points there as we go. Uh, Ke- Kevin, this time last year, by the way, um, in terms of games played, the LA Galaxy would be done with their season because they had a total of 22 games last season. Uh, and in 22 games, they got 22 points. Uh, everybody can figure out what the point per game average is of that. Uh, so I bet you it's one. I bet you it's one. You are 100% correct. Um, that means that through 22 games, the LA Galaxy are 14 points better than last year. Um, if you're if you're playing the home game, uh, that means something. All right. Uh, but if you're also playing the home game, looking at 2019, 2019 had one point better. And we know that in 2019, the galaxy barely, barely scraped in the playoffs. We've been talking about 2019 and how much this season seems to be mirroring that this, 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 uh, this month of September is really going to tell whether or not there's any differences between those two teams, because that 2019 team stumbled down the block. Um, sort of down the stretch, and this team has the ability to do that. If you look at the the schedule that's certainly coming up against them, so yeah, didn't they lose like five games or go winless like five games in a row or something in yeah, September, it, October? Yeah, it may have even been more like six or seven. Um, I'm trying to. I have the uh, I I had the their standings uh, chart, and you can see it basically go. Oh, everything's good, everything's good, and then it just drops off a cliff, and it's like, oh no, everything's not good. Um, and so you look at this, and there there could be a repeat of that, and that's something to. To sort of watch. I feel like this team is better than that team, but I also feel like the inconsistency is still there that they could be, you know, 2019. Um, so something something to watch as we continue down this uh, this path and this road. Uh, one of the things that is starting to shape up a little bit is Greg Vanny's ability to get a point, uh, a point or better out of games. Uh, the LA Galaxy right now have a 50% win chance. Um, they have lost 36.4% of their games, but they get a point or better 63.6% of the time. That's starting to creep up as uh, as the draws come in and, and a whole bunch of stuff sort of uh, goes the the way for the LA Galaxy. So we'll see if that continues. Their ability to scr- you know scrape and, and grind points um, whenever they need it, Kevin, is, is going to be important to sort of the success of the, the rest of the year. Well, that was one of the things with Guillermo's teams is they they rarely had any draws. It was like uh, all or nothing. Um, and, and I don't know whether it's the style of play or the, just the, the way they attacked or just, you know, serendipity. Um, but Greg, like, like you said, Greg is, seems to be able to get a point out of games when maybe he shouldn't have gotten one. Like probably Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they grind, they get a point, and, and that's a huge point. It could be zero points, and they get a point instead, so that's important there. Um, if you're looking at the LA Galaxy in terms of points per game, uh, they're currently averaging 1.67 points per game. All Galaxy teams in average, in mass, are 1.52. I will say this. I know that 1.67 is just slightly above average, but when you think of LA Galaxy seasons as a whole, Kevin, LA Galaxy teams have been above average as a organization for their 25, 26 years, right? So seeing that is actually a good sign. So the 1.67 is not horrible. Um, And certainly if you look at 2019, they finished with about 1.5. So if you can maintain this 1.67 that they have right now, I think the Galaxy very easily make the playoffs, very easily wrap that up. So um, in terms of of getting that. Now, is it enough to get a home playoff game? That's going to be a battle with Colorado. And I think that if you're looking at anybody right now um, in terms of how the LA Galaxy are sort of able to slide in different places, it's going to be against Colorado 
um, you know, throughout this the rest of the stretch, which is interesting because September 11th is a chance basically at a six-point game to keep Colorado from getting three points and the Galaxy to win three points, but you're asking them to do, to do that on the road in altitude. Um, so. Well, yeah, and, and, and here's why that's important. I, I don't know that the Galaxy are necessarily the best home team in MLS and that the home team field advantage means a lot to them like it does for Minnesota. It means a lot to Minnesota United. But what you what you really want to do is prevent teams like Col- – well, Seattle's going to be home, and Seattle hasn't lost the whole playoff game since, I think, 2013. They're going to be home. They're going to be on the turf. But teams like Portland, Colorado, uh, Real Salt Lake – you don't want those guys to be at home because of the altitude for Colorado and Real Salt Lake and because of the carpet for Portland. So when you're looking at the, where's the Galaxy going to be in the playoffs, to me it's not so much that they need to be at Dignity Health Sports Park. It's that they need to make sure those other clubs aren't at their home stadiums. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's really, really important overall for the Galaxy to, to find a way to get up that table as high as possible. And of course, that's a dumb moment. Of course, they want to be up as high as possible. But it, it, it matters in terms of success. Plus, it matters in terms of fans, right? If you get a home playoff game, Kevin, that's different than having to go on the road and play, you know, three games on the road. And hey, we, you know, the Galaxy sneak in um, and do all that. So um, for me, uh, it's important both from a psyche standpoint as well as an advantage standpoint to sort of get that. Um, now, wait a minute. Their home playoff game, they haven't – when they made the playoffs in 2019, they opened at Minnesota and then they played at LAFC, right? Yep. So they didn't play a home playoff game there. They didn't make it in 2018. They didn't make it in 2017. So you got to go back to 2016. And uh, they played Colorado in the – it was a two-leg con- uh, conference semifinals then. Right. And then they lost it on the road in penalty kicks. So they haven't played a playoff game at home since uh, October, early November of 2016. That is correct. That's why it's important. That's why, you know, you talk about attendance and, and different things. This That's one of the things that needs to happen. The Galaxy need to start making the playoffs with, with regularity. And not only that, but hosting playoff games. In this new format, you want to be home. Uh, one game off, you want to be at home. You want to have your fans there. And certainly we know in Los Angeles that if you make the playoffs, that fans should show up. Um, and so that's... That's something that the Galaxy need to do and haven't done. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think attendance is down is show me the, your success in the postseason. Show me something that matters. You know, win a game that matters at home so that way, you know, we can watch you do it. That's I, I think that's really what fans are asking. Um, so it's it's going to be super important down the stretch. All right. Um, I think that does it. I don't have any. I have. Well, no, wait a minute. We what? had a there, there was a a, uh, a letter you read earlier. Someone wanted us to talk about something. You said we'd table it for later. I think they wanted to ask about the defense. Yeah. How do you fix the defense in, in three weeks? Like, wait, what do you do? If you were Greg Vanny, what do you do to fix the defense in three weeks? Do you change formation, Kevin? Do you do you change anything? Um, well, I, you know, I, I think that three, five, the three, five, two looks pretty good. Or yeah, the three, five, two looks pretty good. Maybe plays with that a little bit. Did you play a full game like that? I don't think so. I think that's a formation that you switch to depending on, on, on how the game is going. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, you, you hit it when it, if Dan Starris can tell the doghouse and, and gets a chance, maybe in place of cool maybe that's something that you can do. Um, and I would disagree with you on Hamelin, and I'd put Jorge Villafania back in as soon as he's ready. I, I thought he had a really good first half of the season. And you know why? Because you never noticed him. And that's, I think, what you kind of want from that position. Well, we talked about him. I mean, we've talked about him, and he has been solid. He has done all those things. But at the same time, I think that ne- that Hamelinen gives you a lot more going forward. Um, that being said, you can't play Hamelinen for every minute of every game, and you can't play Jorge Villafania for every minute of every well, game. And maybe fixing the defense doesn't even involve the back line. Maybe, as we just talked about, the midfield, to my mind, has been a little bit absent. Most of them, not all of them. A little bit absent. Jonathan Dos Santos has not played really well. 
Um, and as Greg made the point after the last home game, it all starts with, the, you know, the defense starts with offense and offense starts with defense. So I think maybe the midfield sort of slowing some of these steamrolling teams as they rush through the midfield and into the attacking end. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more bite in the midfield. Maybe that's where the problem is. Yeah, I mean, I would start there. There's been a disconnect between the defense and the midfield, and that was going to be, you know, sort of my point, is to get midfielders to be more connected with the defense. And that means that everybody has to be on the same page, right? Um, and I think at times with the LA Galaxy this year, that hasn't been the case. Uh, actually, and, and, so, and so you look at personnel. Revelosan needs to be in there, I think. Sebastian needs to be in there. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe Jonathan is a guy that comes out and Sasha question goes in there. I thought Sasha's uh, played pretty well. There, there needs to be some sort of a roadblock right now. It's a speed bump. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think that question has the speed to be able to track people through the midfield, but I also don't think that Jonathan Dos Santos right now does either. Uh, clearly whatever, and not even injuries, but cramps that he has shows that he is not able to sort of keep up. And you saw him running through the midfield, not able to keep up with some of the attacks that LAFC was throwing through there. Um, just, I think if if Greg really wants to fix the defense and he has to do it against Colorado to start with, I mean, that might not be a horrible game to go ahead and put a five-man back line in um, and and say, okay, we're going to play five in the back, Araujo on the right-hand side and Viafania on the left-hand side and three center backs, and we're going to play a defense-first mentality and we'll look to get out on the counter and spring Jovalich or spring Cabral or however they sort of want to you know mix that in together, but that we need to be defense-first. Um, and I don't think that's wrong, especially from a team that I think is better at counterattacking than uh, holding possession. And if you put five back there, uh, yes, there could be more traffic cones to dribble around. That's always one of the things that you worry about whenever you put that many people back there. But at the same time, with Hamelinen or with Araujo, you have a lot of speed going forward, too. So I think there's some chances there for a counterattack. And if you're going to go to Colorado, I mean, smash and grab it, baby. Smash and grab it. Um, there is no... Um, it's, there's, there's, there's no honor or, or there's no lost honor there, right. To go there and try to steal points from Colorado. I'm perfectly fine trying to steal points from anybody on the road. And I think September is a perfect example of being like, we're going to be defense first whenever we're on the road. And if it's defense, if it's zero, zero game, that's fine with us. Um, but I also think the galaxy are a good counterattacking team and they will create chances to score so far. The scoring hasn't been the issue, Kevin. It's been the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, 35 goals is pretty good, but 35 goals allowed is, is high. And that Colorado game, I think, is going to set the tone for a very busy month if they have a good result. And by that, I mean not just play well, but get a result, get points. Um, you know, that can set the tone for the month. If they play well and lose or if they play poorly and lose, that also sets the tone. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. All right, I think that's it. Um, do, 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 anything else for you, Kevin? You good? Uh, I guess my since my computer didn't work, I guess I have to be good. I just have to shut up and yes. take it. Yeah, you're, you're you're done. Absolutely. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com. All of his coverage. He's going to be on the road with the U.S. Men's National Team covering those games. So make sure you check that out. latimes.com. A lot of stuff at kbaxter11. There you go. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Go ahead and head on over to Corner of the Galaxy. You can find the full post-game press conference up on our site, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Subscribe to our YouTube. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you recommend us to our friends. All right, that does it for me. For Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato-Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. 
And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.